Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And before we start, we will read it together. It says, for indeed, in fact, real, grounded, the gospel, the word gospel means good news. I mean, what we're talking about here tonight should be the inspiration of very good things. How many came with the expectation? You remember we said when we don't have an expectation, we feel like there's no use to walk in the Lord. We're hopeless, let's do our own plans. If there's no good plans, let's walk on our own plans. But it says the good news that was proclaimed to us as well as to them, the word which they heard was no, not profitable to them. It was no good that they were getting good news. Why? Because there was no expectation in their heart. They did not expect that if they would walk in the counsel of God, something would change. And that's the devil. Listen to me. Faith is the expecting of what God's going to do. And if if the devil has taken your faith, you're hopeless. And so when you're hopeless, you will start doing your own things. How many know it's ugly as, as all out when we start conniving? Ugly, man. We start manipulating, we start playing, and we're dancing and training. It's ugly to see man, listen to me, the word is squirm. Have you seen somebody squirm? It's like a worm, right? Squirm. They, um, so here it says, they did not, the word that they heard, the good news they heard, was not good to them because it wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. One of the things that I feel the Lord is telling me is if when we receive the word, the blessed life. And remember, God is not into the ones who start the race. It's who? It's those who finish. You guys are all excited. I'm glad you came down on a midweek and we're ready to go. I'm taking long because what we're going to hear tonight is not an hour long. It's 25 minutes. But it's intense. And it's bang, 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 bang. And it's done. So... I'm, I'm, I'm preparing your hearts for this scenario. Don't let the devil, when this stuff is coming out, to subvert what God wants to do. Because this is the first night, and we're going to go six nights. You guys committed to this. We prayed about this. I pray, since we're about 300 members in this church, I pray that all 300 members are able to receive this. This is a gift of God to my life. I want to pass it on. I want, I want the church to have the best, the creme de la creme, the best meal faith-wise. This is not for unbelievers. Unbelievers will listen to the word of God and say, yeah, right. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But people that expect from the Lord, they know that if they listen to the word of God and they obey it, they'll receive what God wants them to receive. And, and ever since... I walked into the house of God as an unbeliever, and I challenged God. But ever since then, if there's anyone who's a dreamer and a believer, it's your pastor. I believe God. When people say, nothing's going to happen, I say, you don't know my God. Probably everybody in here has heard these words from my mouth. You don't know my God. Because when it gets ugly and worse, my God shines brightest. And so I, I want you to receive the word of God. Let's all read this together, please. This is important. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it wasn't not being mixed with faith 
in those who heard it. So the element is an expectation from God. I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to move in God's direction. I'm going to have an expectation. I'm going to hear the word of the Lord from the man of God. And this is a man highly respected in the nation. He's not a gimmicks and manipulation man. He's a man who will preach the word. I like his sincerity. Um, he's a cowboy. He's from Dallas. He roots for the Cowboys and for the Dallas Rangers. And, and so, but the scenario is, let's ask God, God, you know, and, and the, most, the most miserable people on earth are those that are cynical. They don't believe anything. They don't move in the direction of faith. So in this Bible verse we just read, Hebrews 4, it's talking about when Israel left Egypt, they were headed to the promised land where God had everything taken care of. If amongst those people, you were there saying, yeah, right, because you're frustrated, because you're used to the pyramids, you're used to making mud bricks, you're used to having taskmasters, you're used to working. Um, Joyce Meyer says, Slave mentality. You don't have a, a prince mentality. You're, you're not walking in the promises of God. Verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6 says, They didn't believe with faith, so it, they didn't move in it. Since therefore it remains that some must enter in, I mean some will experience. Some of you tonight are going to really receive this word. And you're going to move in the direction of the word. It says, therefore... It remains that some must enter in. And those to whom it first was preached, which is a travesty, the ones that should have been moving in this blessing before, it says, did not enter the promised land because they disobeyed. The Bible says because of their unbelief, because they did not believe the word of God. So um, I have an expectation of the Lord to go to another level. I do. And I know that God is going to be faithful in taking us to another level. There are people, obviously, we've been around for 14 years. We started out with a whole bunch of people. It's like, ah, let's take the land. They're not here no more. Because unbelief entered their heart. When unbelief enters your heart, guess what happened? Bitterness follows thereafter. It goes unbelief, bitterness, and then rebellion. Okay? So we want to walk in the opposite direction. I want to see the glory of God. And so let's pray for what we're going to hear tonight. Father, I give you thanks for this series, The Blessed Life. I give you thanks for the heart of your people that have come out here tonight to receive the first of six series in this life of blessing. We want to live with the supernatural, miraculous outpouring of your goodness to take us to another level, God. And for that, we ask you to circumcise our hearts. Father, we ask that you would give us a heart to listen and to obey. You say in your word that obedience is better than sacrifice. We pray tonight, O oh God, that your blessing would be upon us. I rebuke a spirit of unbelief. I rebuke a spirit of cynicism. Father God, that, that challenges your word instead of believing in what you have promised. And I just pray that this blessed life series would transform the families in this church, would transform what is taking place in our houses and in our, in our homes, Lord, and in our children, so that we can pass on to the next generation the mighty glories of a faithful God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen.
Turn in your Bibles, two passages, 1 Kings chapter 17 and Genesis chapter 4. So uh, put, uh, open your Bibles to 1 Kings 17 and then put a marker at Genesis chapter 4. And what we're going to talk about this week in the Blessed Life series is the principle of first. And uh, just to let you know, the message that I normally preach on this, and you'll be going through this in your life groups, I'm actually not going to preach to you this weekend. Uh, I, I felt so burdened about putting God first that when I did Dream to Destiny this spring, and when I got to the prosperity test, I took the content from the message uh, that I normally do in the Blessed Life series and shared it with you this last spring. So you might even want to go back and listen to that uh, uh, as well. And so when this came about, I felt like, well, I just shared that two weeks, uh, two, I, I mean, pardon me, this spring. And so I began to pray. But let me just say, the principle of the first is the most important message in the blessed life. Because if you don't get the first one right, the fir- this principle, uh, nothing else is right. If God is first in your life, please hear this. If God is first in your life, everything will come into order. If God is not first, nothing will come into order. Your marriage, your health, your finances, your family, your job, your career, your ministry, nothing, nothing. And and I'm so burdened about this. And so many people, every one of us here, every one of us would say, God's first in my life. And I don't mean this uh, sarcastically. I really don't. But my response would be, let me see your checkbook. And I can tell you what's first in your life because where your treasure is, there your heart is. So whatever's first in your checkbook, every time you get paid, that's where your heart is. And I know that you don't want it to be that way. I know you want God first in your life. But this is such a simple principle that every person can do. And, and, and as a pastor, I'm so burdened because I know that it'll change your life. I know it will. And so let me share with you the principle of first. And again, uh, this is a message that I wrote for this weekend, um, even though I, 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 I normally share a different message in this slot. So you're, you're going to love this, all right? Say amen. Okay, all right. <clears throat> 1 Kings chapter 17, you you need to know a little bit background. Uh, There is an economic recession in Israel during 1 Kings 17, okay? Now, I know none of us can relate to that. (laughs) But there's a recession. There's a famine. There's actually a a three-and-a-half-year period, three-and-a-half years, no rain. Not a little rain, no rain. And we, I think, we think, Theologians believe that this is about six months into that, six months to a year into that three and a half year time. Okay? 1 Kings 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is talking about Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See or look, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now I want you to remember, no rain. First thing he asked for is water. And as she was going to get it, 
he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks, that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. We only have one meal left, she's saying. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Now watch this very carefully. But make me a small cake from it. Could everyone say this word? First. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now, this is an amazing story. But I want you to think about this. This is a widow with one son, no other children, according to what we understand about this, because of something the Bible tells us in another passage. This is the only family she's got left in the world. Her husband's gone. She has a son. And she has just a little, they're in a recession and a drought, a famine that's so bad, she has one meal left. And Elijah says, prepare something for me first. Does not make sense at all. I'm wondering if when she turned around to leave, we don't know this, but I'm wondering if she thought, you know, Elijah's crazy. I mean, I've heard stories about him. He's crazy. Here's the reason I say that. I really wonder how many people think, now they might not say it, but how many think, how many people think when I say during a recession, you should be giving the first 10% of your income to the church. I wonder how many people think, you know, Pastor Robert's crazy. Well, he's just crazy. I mean, yeah, I can understand giving a little to God, but not right now. I need to protect everything I have. Listen to me, please, please, please. During a recession is the best time to tithe. Because <laughs> how are you going to make it without God's blessing? And, and notice God sends, listen, this is amazing to me. God sends him to a widow. I mean, wasn't there a rich man that God could have sent him to? And here's what many, many people miss about this story. Please hear this. God did not send Elijah to the widow for the widow to provide for Elijah. God sent Elijah to the widow so that God could provide for the widow. That's what people miss. This woman's about to die and her son's going to die. So God gives her an opportunity to put her finances in biblical order so he can provide for her. Do you understand the reason most people never see a miracle is they never put God in the opportunity to have a miracle for them, to give them a miracle. How, how can you ever expect God to do a miracle in your finances if you won't do it his way? If you won't give to him first. So here's what Elijah, he shows up and says, she says, listen, we're about to die. We only have one meal left. He said, okay, listen, give to God first. She had to believe in faith to be able to do this. And when she did, when she put God first in her provision, her natural resources, then she had supernatural provision. 
But she had to put God first. Now, can I tell you something? God did not need this widow to provide for Elijah. He didn't need that. Let let me just show you how God provided for Elijah before and after. If you want to look back just two verses from where we started, verse 8, look at verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God had ravens bring him bread, oh, here's a good one, and meat. Now, that's before the widow. Let me show you after the widow. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. By the way, this is the first angel food cake. And I don't know if you noticed in the story, he said, bring me a cup of water. She starts to walk away. He said, and some bread. And then she said, I just have a little bit. He said, okay, first bring me a little cake. Men of God like cake. <laughs> just, just so you know, because the angel brought cake, so it's, it's, it's right to do that. Okay, all right. <laughs> God did not need this widow to provide for Elijah. He wanted to provide for her. Please hear me. God wants to provide supernaturally for you. But you're going to have to honor him first. And not only did he want to provide for this widow, do you know what happened later in the story? Her son died. Look, look at 17, chapter 17, verses 21, 22. And this is he, Elijah, stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord, said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Let me, let me just ask you a question. Did God know that her boy was sick? You better believe it. God knew that she only had one meal left. And that even if they did get more food, her son was still going to die. So he sends a man of God to her and gives her a test. Remember, tithing's a, a test. And says, if you'll provide for the kingdom first, if you'll just do this, step out in faith, watch what will happen. And God brought, and it all, this is what tithing brings. These are the two things tithing brings, provision and protection. You give to God first, God will provide for you and protect you. You remember we read this two weeks ago in Malachi. He said, if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven, that's provision, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, that's protection. It's all through Scripture. All right, now go back to Genesis chapter 4. I just want to ask you as we go back to Genesis 4, because I want to show you back from the beginning about giving to God first. But I want to ask you something. We talked about provision and protection. If God said to you, now listen to me carefully. If God said to you, if you'll give me 10%, the first 10% of your income, I will bless you so that you'll actually make more money and I will stand at the door of your house and keep Satan out of it. Would you do it? He did say it. He said it. That's Malachi. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing there's not room enough to receive it. In other words, you'll make more. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. But do you know what? Let's just be honest. Some of you would still have to think about it. 
Because some of you don't do it. You don't do it. But it's right in the Bible. It's in the Bible, but you don't do it. So why don't you? Now, I, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just asking. It's, it's human nature to, to hoard. It's human nature to be afraid. You remember what Elijah said to her? Do not fear. You, you, you have to walk in faith. It takes faith to give the first one. It doesn't take faith to give the tenth one. God didn't say, wait till you have ten, you know, sheep and give me the tenth one. He said, give me the first one. It takes faith to tithe because it's the first ten percent, not the last ten percent. So why don't we do it? Well, all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now, let me tell you one thing before we read this. We're going to read the story of Cain and Abel. Many theologians, not, not, this, not, the, men, not the minority, the majority of scholars that have written on this subject believe that Cain and Abel were twins, okay? Now, I'm not saying if they were or not because the Bible is not completely clear on it, but I'll show you why many theologians believe this, okay? Uh, Genesis 4 verse 1. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. The Hebrew word here, bore, is delivered. And she delivered Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore or delivered again, this time his brother Abel. Just notice, this is why theologians believe it. It never says she conceived again. Never says Adam knew his wife again and she conceived again and, and delivered Abel. It says she, she delivered Cain and then she delivered Abel. She delivered again. So I'm, I don't know. Whether, I mean, uh, I don't know if Cain and Abel were twins or not. When we get to heaven, you can ask Abel, okay? All right? I don't know, but I'm just telling you. And in the, okay. Uh, now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In other words, Abel was a rancher. Cain was a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, in other words, if you bring the offering the way I said to, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, now watch what happens if you don't bring the offering the way God says, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, you open the door to a lot of sin when you don't do it God's way. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. We know this story. <clears throat> I was actually flipping through the channels a while back on the guide to see if anything worthwhile was on. There was no game on at the time. By the way, let's all pray. Dear God, please help the Texas Rangers. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, okay, so, and if you can, the Dallas Cowboys too, please. Okay, all right. Okay, so. Anyway, I'm flipping through the channels, and, and I saw this, said Cain and Abel. I like Discovery or, you know, National Geographic somewhere. And I thought, wow, Cain and Abel. So I flip over there, and, and they're talking about the brothers and all. And then they made this statement. No one in Christianity or Judaism knows why God accepted Abel's offering, and he didn't accept Cain's. And I thought to myself, I do. <laughs> and it's really simple. 
And you've seen it, and I've shared this with you before. Abel brought firstborn. Cain didn't bring first fruits. But here's what I want to ask. Why didn't he bring first fruits? Why? Because this wasn't the first. This is the first offering recorded, but most theologians don't believe this is the first offering. So I think it's because something was in his heart. So I want to, here, here are my two points. I have two points uh, today. One is the heart of Cain. Now, how would I know what, what's in Cain's heart? How would I know that? Well, here's the reason. Because the Bible has other scripture about Cain. There, there are several in the New Testament too. And let me just show you one of those, all right? Jude 11 says, and this is Jude, don't know, it has one chapter, so it's verse 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, I want you to notice it says the way of Cain, and then it talks about greed, Balaam and Korah, greed and rebellion. Can I tell you why we don't tithe? Really. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, please, 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 if you struggle, I'm not being condemning, but, but let's, let's find out why. Let's figure it out. What, what's causing you not to do it so that you could be blessed? Greed and rebellion. That's really what stops us from giving to God first because we want more. We don't want to give up. And we're just going to do it our way, God. Now, that's what Cain did. But you have to understand, that, again, we, we don't believe. I don't believe, and most theologians don't believe this first offering. I think he knew. He knew. why He, 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 for, he understood. It, it, it was so clear he'd probably seen his, his, his uh, parents give uh, sacrifices. Th listen, these aren't boys, by the way. These are grown men. They have jobs. They have occupations. They know how to run a business. One's running a ranch. One's running a farm. And, and in the process of time, at the end of the days, is what this reads from the Hebrew, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Let me tell you, listen, listen. Here's what Cain was saying. I'll bring it when I want, and I'll bring what I want. Now, you can't imagine how many people have told me that in different wording. They've said, Pastor, I give however I feel led. Well, the only problem with that is, is God tells us a way to give. That's saying, well, um, I, I love my way, I love my wife the way I feel led to love her. Well, let me tell you, the Bible tells you how to love your wife. Well, I, I honor my husband the way I want to honor him. No, the Bible tells you how to honor your husband. Well, well I, I, I do it just however I feel led. Listen, that is an excuse for rebellion. I, I'll give, Pastor, I'll give whatever I want, whenever I want. That's Cain. Cain said, I know I'm supposed to give the first, but I'll give it however I want, whenever. And then here's the great thing about God, because some people say, I don't think Cain knew it. I do think he, he knew it. I, I really do, because Scripture bears that out. But even if, we, if Cain didn't know, God came to him and said, hey, what, what do you have said about? If you do it the way I tell you to, okay, let's say you didn't know. From now on, you need to understand. You need to, and you know what Cain did? He just got bitter. And he began to blame Abel. Okay, my sacrifice wasn't accepted because Abel's was. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that feel that way and that walk that way. Well, what's wrong in my life is because of what he did. No, what's wrong in your life is because of what you did. Because even if what he did's wrong, how did you respond? And here's what the Bible teaches. If a guy does me wrong and I respond right, God blesses me. 
God, God will take care of me, even if someone else does something wrong. But a, Cain's attitude and heart is, I'm going to blame someone else for, why my, what, for what's rolling on in my life, and I just want you to know something, God, I'll do it whenever I want, and I'll do it however I want. And it's very clear in Scripture that we're to give the first 10% to the church. But somehow we want to get, do it our own way. Uh, this is a good scripture. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation because I really like the way it reads. Proverbs 19.3 says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. You want me to read that one again? Or you don't want me to read that one again? <laughs> People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Now, just so we know, we're to give first fruits. A couple of scriptures, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. By the way, I just want you to notice that he says, honor the Lord with your first fruits, with your possessions. That goes back to the heart. And then Exodus 23, 19 says, the first of the first fruits. That's just in case there was any uh, question about it. <clears throat> the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. That's any, that settles any question about where you give it. Where you bring it. Okay, and here's number two, the heart of Abel. Let's look at the heart of Abel here. How do we know the heart of Abel? Because the Bible tells us there are other scriptures that tell us about Abel. Hebrews 11:4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. I want you to notice the word gifts. It wasn't just one. It was more sacrifices than just one. And through it, he being dead still speaks. Abel was a man of faith. That's what the Bible says. By faith, he offered. It takes faith to give God the first 10%. It doesn't take faith to pay your bills and then give to God. And what God is saying is, if you'll recognize me first, I'll give a miracle. See, it, did not, it would not have taken any faith at all for the widow to say, well, let me make something for my son and me first. And then if there's enough left over, I'll make something for you. Elijah said, no, no, do it for me first. Put the kingdom of God first and watch what happens to your provision. This is, a, this is a principle. It's all through Scripture. So let me give you just a few. Joshua 6, 19. This is talking about when they took Jericho. But, but all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated, are set apart to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And another verse says the Lord's house. So this is, again, it goes to the church, but I want you to notice. And here's the point, though. You say, well, it didn't say 10% of the silver and gold. It said all of it. Well, it's very simple. Why? Jericho was the first city in the promised land. What God was saying was, if you'll give me the first, I will protect you and provide for you as you take the rest of the land. That's always what tithing is about. It's about God's provision and God's protection. Uh, Genesis 22. It's just a few chapters from where you are in Genesis 4. If you want to flip over, you can. This is a story of Abraham and Isaac. God asked Abraham for his firstborn son of the promise. 
He didn't ask for, hey, have 10 sons and give me one. Give me the first one when he only had that one as far as the promise, and that was the promise for more. Watch what happened, and we know God stopped him, but watch what happened when he stopped him. Genesis 22, verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Now watch these words carefully. For now I know, now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then... Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. This is Jehovah Jireh in the Hebrew. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Okay, notice when he was willing to give his first to God, God provided and, watch this, protected. God's provision didn't come until he gave his first. Then not only did God's provision come, but God's protection came. All through Scripture, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, we went back, Cain and Abel, the firstborn and firstfruits. It says that Cain was offended. Cain was offended that God wouldn't accept his offering. Can I tell you something that many people have never thought of? <laughs> you remember we talked a while back when our series on eternity and about how people say, well, how could a loving God send someone to hell? And I said, let's get a different perspective. How could anyone reject a loving God? Okay, let me give you a little different perspective on God not accepting Cain's offering and Cain being offended. Maybe you've never thought about this. God was offended. God was offended because Cain was not giving his best. He wasn't sacrificing his first. And I'm going to tell you why it offended God. The firstborn and first fruits, all through Scripture, we give the firstborn, we give the first fruit, it represents the tithe. But can I tell you, again, everything in the Old Testament represents something new. Do you know what the firstborn and the first fruits represent in the New Testament? <laughs> Jesus. Look at these scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And Colossians 1, 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. God knew that the firstborn and the first fruits represented the sacrifice of his son. Abel comes and gives the firstborn with a pure heart. Cain comes from the rebellious heart, said, I'm not giving the first fruits. I'll give whenever and however I want to. And God said, I don't accept that. Because you need to understand something, son. There's going to come a day when I give my first fruits and my firstborn for you. You know, the most famous verse in the Bible. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Okay, I'd like to just paraphrase it just a little bit in relationship with this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only firstborn, firstfruits, highest and best gift for the world.
So if God would give you his best, why wouldn't we give him our best? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I plead with you as your pastor. Believe in this principle. Study it for yourself. The principle of giving God the first. The principle of seeking first the kingdom. The principle of honoring the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. The principle of bring the first of your first fruits into the house of the Lord. And I want you to know something. It's not to provide for the church because God can provide for the church. It's to provide for you. It's to provide for and protect you. There's no other reason that God would ask for 10% of your income because he doesn't need it. But he would like for you to give him the opportunity to bless you and to provide for you and to protect you. But it's going to take faith because it's not the last 10%. It's the first 10%. What's God saying to you through this message? We want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending or if you're in the second level at South Lake, we have people on the second level to be able to pray for you. We want to pray for you. This is part of church. I don't want anyone to leave during this time unless you have an emergency. If you have an emergency, I understand that. We're only going to sing one more worship song. We want to invite the presence of God to come so that people who need prayer in any area of their lives at every campus can have a moment to just respond. And what we do is we just do one worship song, and then we continue to minister to people at the altar, but we release everyone else to go. So, but for one song, all together, we seek God and worship God. And if you need prayer for any area of your life, you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. No matter which campus you're attending or if you're in the second level at South Lake, all right? If you need prayer for any area, if you'll just, in just a moment, we'll stand. And when we stand, you just stand up, step out and come to the front or right by the exits in the second level, we have people that can pray with you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs any prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand tonight. I ask the worship team to come forward. Again, I said this is a six-week series, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. This will be the first time that I hear this series. Um, Desmond just spent some time because Robert Morris is one of the churches that's going to back Desmond in, in Europe. They're the ones that are going to finance. They want to they wanna build four mega churches in Europe. These are men that are moving in big, big move of God upon the earth. And when Desmond was with him last month, he told me, Joaquin, you need to bring the Blessed Life series to your church. I don't know about you guys, but when I think about doing something for God, I think huge, changing the world. I'm not thinking about making ends meet. I'm talking about supernatural, huge provisions of a faithful God who pours out from the heavens. 
We couldn't even do what we're doing right now in Miami if we didn't move in the supernatural realm. When we walked into this place, there was 10 men. 10 men walked into this place about eight years ago. About six took off running. This is, this is too big. We can't do it. We're, we got to stay on Bird Road. How many, how many were on Bird Road? Raise your hand. We were on Bird Road, and there was 100 people could fit in that, in that temple. But we believed in God. We would move with God. We're, we're not moving according to our glory. We want to see his glory. And guess what? What God wants to give us is a lot larger than what you can imagine or think. Um, the comparison is raisins compared to the, the, the national symbol for Israel, two men carrying a huge cluster of grapes, talking about God giving the increase. How many believe that God could blow you up more than you could blow you up? God could get you to just another level. Um, he's done that all my life. I'd rather, I could do a lot of things as an attorney. I could do a lot of things. I could manipulate. I could move. But I want to see the glory of God. I don't want to see my strength in action. I want to see what God honors those who believe, those who walk by faith. And so this is spiritual food for the spiritual man, spiritual increase for those that want to walk like God. Uh, God wants us to walk on waters. Our life is a testimony to this life, is to believe God and uh, do amazing things. Um, Let's go ahead and sing a song to the Lord, and we're going to be dismissed. It'll be the first time we leave here at 9. Um, but I want you not to miss, and we're going to cut out early so you don't miss every, every meeting we have the next six weeks. Everything is different. I think that the, he put first first. Let's make God first. Um, last year, somebody came in at the end of the year and says, Pastor, I have 10 months worth of tithes that I held up. I go, man, you must be 10 months backed up on your blessing too. You must, be, you, know, you must be holding back a lot of God's favor in your life when you're backed up on giving God. Say with me, first. First things first. Let's not play games. Father, we give you thanks tonight. We give you thanks for the words we hear. We give you thanks, Lord, that our flesh doesn't like anything to have to do with the supernatural. We walk many times in fear. We walk many times in unbelief. We're always scrounging around and looking around for where our help is coming from, when our, helper, our help comes from Him who created the heavens and the earth. You are our helper. You are the one that prospered and provided for Abraham, Lord, and made him a wealthy, increased man upon the earth, Lord, because of the promises that you extended towards him, Lord. Father, I pray that we would have the grace to walk in the supernatural provisions of God, that we would walk at levels that tithing and giving to you and putting you first is just the training wheels on giving, Lord. Many of the men who have given tithe, Lord, now give their 90% and they live with 10% because you've blessed them so much, Lord. Allow us to have that witness too, Lord, that testimony of faithfulness. Father, and as you challenge us into, and introduce us into a new land, let our heart cultivate this word with faith. Let our heart cultivate this rain from heaven with the belief that you want to show us that when we honor you, you honor us. Father, and what we've heard from Pastor Morris tonight, Lord, you don't need anything from us, Lord. You have it all. The heavens are yours. The cattle, Father God, on the hills, the gold, the silver is yours. 
Father, you don't need anything from our hands, oh God. For you give life and breath and all things to all peoples everywhere. So allow us a measure of faith to walk in the supernatural instruction of your word. So that people would see our life and call us a delightful people. A people who walk in the increase and the abundance of your peace, your goodness, your provision, your protection, Lord. And that our children after us may also serve a faithful God. We give you thanks tonight for your presence in this place. And we pray, Father God, for the supernatural, persistent, and consistency of finishing this blessed life series we've begun tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. As we sing this song, just go over to your neighbor and say, come on, neighbor, let's do it together. Amen. Let's serve God with faithfulness. Hallelujah. Cafeteria is open. There's food and fellowship in the cafeteria. Our God is Lord of all. Our God. Our God is Lord of all. Our God is Lord of all. We were created. We were created to worship our God. We were created to fall in love. And now I'm singing for the great I am.